Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Neil and Jordan podcast. This Will this be the last one of the year? I'm not sure. It might be the last one of the year or maybe the second last one of the year. Either way, I hope you've had a good 2021. I hope the lockdown wasn't too bad for you. Yeah. Uh, unless you're in Queensland, you didn't even have a lockdown. Or w- in fact, only in Victoria, New South Wales, I think. Anyway, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Crush Organic CBD Oil. Go to crushorganics.com for uh, the best range of CBD oil products. I use the platinum oil. Uh, it is very calming. It's very, uh, it's very tranquil. Makes you very tranquil. It's wonderful. If you haven't used it before, just start off with two to three drops. Uh, they've got products for pets. They've got pain cream. They've got everything. They've got everything. So get on that CBD oil, crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL for 40% off. Uh, Jordan, how you doing? Well, very well. Are you well? I'm very well. I'm, uh, I was, the first few months after lockdown were very stressful. I was catching up on a lot of things, but, uh, haven't done that Melbourne show. Haven't done a few other things. Uh, gotten it out of my system. I feel really good now moving into 2022. What's your, what are your goals for 2022? You have any goals? Build that dog sanctuary. I want to get it done. Adorable. I want to write a book. Interesting. About yeah. what? I think about a lot of the things we talk about on this podcast and on my other podcast. Just, just, just but that's so many things. Okay. Well, it would be. It would what are be... you just going to make one of these like ideas made simple? A page of each podcast summarized. No, not of each podcast. I don't know exactly yet, but I, I definitely want to write a book. It's a goal that I've always sort of had in the periphery. But I thought, now nah, next year, I'm just going to do it. How good would it be if it was just like, Tinder tips with Neil Kolhatka? <laughs> oh, I'm going to talk about dating for sure. I think it would just be just basic self-help and life advice, but from the perspective of someone who has lived through this digital dystopia. And I wouldn't try and be some sort of sage and give all the answers, but it would just be basic principles you can apply, especially for young men. I think I'm, I think I'm going to write that. Nothing, nothing too convoluted, just a 200 page, just, just, just a sort of very, not not simple, but yeah, a bare bone skeleton of what you need to have a fulfilling life. Just basic principles, you know, your exercise, your mind, working out your mind, how to, what sort of habits you can develop around social media. And I, and, and I think it will also just, look, I've been doing a few brand deals and uh, they're all right, but uh, I always thought, uh, a lot of people, when they get to a certain point on social media, they start actually just selling their own products. Makes financial sense. And I thought, well, if I'm going to sell a product, what would, I, what would be the appropriate thing for me to sell? And then I thought, well... I've got ideas. I do two podcasts. I want to write a book. Mm. And I'd very much like to read it. Well, you'll be the first to read the draft. We could do that. You know what? You should set that as a goal and maybe next last podcast of next year, we can go through the manuscript. I would love to get it out before so that it's, 
a, uh, available to buy before Christmas, Christmas yeah, <laughs> next year. So Damn. that's the goal. I'll uh, I'll give everyone updates of how it's going. Uh, but uh, hopefully by next year I'll be a published author. I mean, you can you can self-publish things these days, and it's not you don't need to go through a publishing house. I don't know if I would. I don't know if Spanion did. It's very easy to do these days. In fact, you could probably even just get someone like he to sit there and uh, congeal your random thoughts. Like how Trump did out of the deal, really. Sure. Just sit in the corner and then you just mouth off <laughs> and they just organize it. Well, I don't know. I, no, I do want to write it. Because it's part of the meditative practice of it because you're instilling the principles in your own mind. Actually, True. if you are writing a book about principles to life, that is the worst thing you can do. Yeah, exactly yeah. I can't be fucked. You write that for me. Yeah, yeah this is my code. <laughs> this is how you live a good life. Get someone else to do everything. <laughs> I mean, well, you know. There's two ways of looking at that, isn't it? In fact, that was actually I'm something so that happened. That I didn't even write this book. That's what happened with Spanion because I said, did you write this book? And he goes, fuck nah, brah. And then we were all laughing and we were all laughing because what? You just cheated your way out of it. But he was sitting there just being like, yeah, I cheated my way out of it. And look... Depending on how oh. you look at it, who's wrong in that situation? It's not surprising, and it's uh, true to form for someone like uh, <laughs> like him. So uh, yeah, well, so like, but I goal. think that yeah, you should be writing specifically that book. You could probably do that with your autobiography. But if you're going to sit there and no, write about no. your ethos to life, yeah. Well, I don't understand comedians who write at their autobiography. What is there to say? Like, oh, I was insecure, so I got on stage, tried to make people laugh. I did a few bad gigs. Here's some bad gig stories. Oh, ha, 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 ha. Now I'm famous. What a shit autobiography. That's it's every terrible. comedian's auto, Isn't it? Look, there's some that I would read. I'd read uh, Lenny Bruce's. I'd re- I'd need to read that one. Uh, George yeah, Carlin's. I need to read very, that one. I think he's got one. But uh, when, you know, B-list Australian comedians write a book about their life, I mean, what the... Like, if, yeah, that chick from I'm a Celebrity, get me out say, of here. No, bro. thanks. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not... Why do you want to know about my life? It's pretty, it's not bad, but it's nothing. Yeah. It's not, I'm sure Spanion's life would be good to hear about. Yes. It's definitely out of the ordinary. I think that actually the only ones that you would be wanting to read when it comes to a comedian are the ones where they actually do pepper it with a bunch of advice for aspiring comedians. Other than that, pure waste of time. Pure and I've never, I've read a few pages of comedians who have actually tried to write a comedic book and it's garbage. It's just, they've taken one of their jokes and then tried to make it into three pages. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's a different art form, man. You can't just, it's a very different art form. It's one thing to go from comedy to, I don't know, radio or uh, be a funny personality, even acting, but to then be an author and to be a funny author. It's, it's it's difficult making a funny film. Writing an entire book that's funny. That's no, I'm not going to do that. No, I'll put a few jokes in there. I'm sure, but uh, no, it will not be a comedy book. Uh, no, it no. will it will it will not be an autobiography. I'm sure I'll pepper it with some anecdotes, but uh, no, I I, I want to just outline basic principles that I've spoken to you about that I've spoken to Eliza about. And uh, put it in a nice handbook. Simple, not 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 dumb, but uh, nothing abstruse, 
nothing too complex and academic, just a, a, a basic handbook, the foundations of uh, what you need, what you should be doing. I like it, man. What I actually you, think that'd be God. What a great goal! What are your goals for next year? Oh, I've got the dog sanctuary. Oh yeah. I want to plant a million trees. Well, I'll help. I love planting trees. I got what fifty, sixty here. I think it'd be cool. You know, you need to plant a thousand trees to offset your carbon emissions for life. It's pretty attainable. Wow. Are you Everyone gonna, could do that. Wait, you're not going to... So how are you going to do this? Are you going to get a team to plant, the you know, a thousand trees each or something? Or I don't fucking know. I haven't looked into it at all. I've been looking into lot. the dog sanctuary a lot. huh? A million is a lot. Of, that's a lot of trees. Oh, yeah. But I think that, look, I started doing a 10-year goal, and I think that my 10-year goal was to plant a billion. Well, that's... That's a good goal. Isn't it? That's offsetting. So if you say a thousand trees offsets one person's carbon footprint, what's a billion divided by a thousand? A million, isn't it? A thousand thousand. A million, yeah. You'd be offsetting a million human beings. Jesus. Fuck, imagine if everyone did it. Imagine if everybody just set aside a thousand dollars in their life. They just made that their goal. Here's a thousand dollars of my money over my lifetime. There you go. Guilt free, done. Is it, is it a dollar to plant a tree? Buck to plant a tree. Who plant? Is it a charity that plants these trees? Or yeah, yeah. There's tons of organisations across the planet that do it. And the interesting thing about it as well is there is more than enough land that can be terraformed across this planet for us to completely reverse all the carbon emission damage that is happening to the ecosystem as we currently speak. And you, you just that's. It's amazing. That would solve virtually every environmental problem. But on top of wow. that, like building it's shrubbery and trees. Like it can't just be trees. It has yeah. to be all different types of plants that go into it as well. But it's pretty damn simple. It's just planting things. It's almost as if it's very accessible, almost easy for governments to do if they uh, acted as a global collective. But... Uh, Maybe there are fi <laughs> financial incentives not only to uh, uh, maintain the continued uh, dispersion of uh, greenhouse gases, but uh, to keep people fighting over what should be done. Yeah, I mean, that's truly the most evil thing that has ever faced humanity, I think. The fact that there is corporations whose entire job is to do that, stoke division so that they can profit off destroying the planet. I, I really cannot think of anything. Well, it's just, you know, that was not Hitler's goal. <laughs> you know, like how much more evil is BP than Hitler? <laughs> it's not even comparable. BP, worse than the Nazis. <laughs> they fucking are. You cannot compare. Well, if Hitler was alive to today... He would be one of the biggest conservationists on earth. And they, if they were committed, still committing, they were still genociding everyone, that would be reducing human uh, global footprint. He's offsetting it. So... Getting rid of a lot you, of bankers. But take yeah. a, a pragmatism, <laughs> a philosophically pragmatism approach. I've been reading about that. American pragmatism, it's great. 
uh, it's not about what's uh, what's good, what works. And genocide <laughs> would work. <laughs> so I think there's an unholy alliance between environmentalists and uh, genocidal maniacs. You know what, though? He actually was, I think, one of the world's first environmentalists. I think he planted a lot of trees. I think he, one of his first laws was to make sure that you froze lobsters before boiling them. So you're saying all everyone who cares about the environment is a Nazi. That's what you're saying. I there is a very clear link between people who are extreme like myself, extremely authoritarian and have like a real affinity with the environment. I swear it's a thing. Like and you look at all of his art, he was always painting landscapes, never people. Fucking hated people. But he really liked animals and plants. And I think that's it. It's just like after a while you start having this idea of just like, come on, like we, we are a fucking cancer. We don't need seven billion of us. I was going into like the western suburbs today and i was just like looking at all of these apartments and thinking how many of you cunts are actually useful like let's be honest about this like and then and then this truck came past and then it was just like you're an improved airphone mattress okay is that truck really fucking necessary like like, real like a fucking airphone mattress and it getting transported and just plant you could see the black smoke pluming out of the truck it's just so horrendous. Well, we have uh, say so what you want about this 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 system, but it has uh, generated more wealth than ever before in human history. But that is true. But you know what? I stupid desires of humans. I want a foam mattress. So then corporations understand that there's a profit there. So then they uh, are forced to innovate and create processes that uh, uh, that. Uh, cause the creation of foam mattresses to be as efficient as possible and then that technology is then used by other corporations and then uh benefits society whatever that technology was to create the foam mattress makes everything more efficient here's the fucked up thing about all of that though advertising exists it's the one ratchet in the capitalism theory, which is that oh, yeah. there's all these fuckwits out there that think, oh, foam's cheaper to produce than, say, I don't know, a Japanese futon mattress, which is obviously better for your back. We'll just pump in all of this advertising saying that you should buy an air foam mattress to convince a bunch of people to buy it so that we can increase our profits. So it's like, yeah, the, the, uh, the idea that you know, you build a better mousetrap, people will come to the door. But there's also just this thing of just being like, the new wonder trap can kill three times as many mice when it can't. True. Like, <laughs> yeah, we need an entire uh, millions of people convincing other people, convincing helpless consumers they need thing they they need things that they actually do not need. It's I, I, look in my mind, honestly, it really goes BP. Advertising firms, Hitler. I, I seriously think these things are way worse. <laughs> above Hitler. Look, I would honestly like to know. Look. I think that they might be responsible for more human misery. I really do. I couldn't agree more. And once again, this podcast is brought to you by Crush <laughs> Organic CBD Oil. You can't go to sleep without it. <laughs> We've got to make a buck. Uh Okay, we're going to do two more shout-outs on this podcast. Loving the shout-outs. Keep them coming, guys. neilkohacker.com slash, uh, slash podcasts. You know what? Let's advertise that. Guess what? 
you get this product, you get either the, the shout out or the question answered or a topic and, and you're helping African kids not get malaria. So there's some, that's something to advertise. That's that- beneficial for everyone. I've, we feel good about ourselves because we're facilitating a transaction to charity. And I then feel like this uh, podcast is less likely to be cancelled. And you get a question answered. You get your, your product or whatever you want shouted out on the podcast. And poor children don't die of malaria. Everyone wins. Jesus, you really have created a nice little system there. I've got to say, well done. Perfect economy. Hats off. Okay. All righty. Uh, hey, boys. Oh, this one's from... I, I'll just say Lachlan. All right. Hey, boys. In, in, light, in light of Jordan's decision to build an ex Mackinac style home, could you please give a shout out to my family business, Melbourne Recycled Timber Floorboards? All right. Shout out to Melbourne Recycled Timber Floorboards. Legend. Also, Neil, make sure Jordan is aware that even though he is looking to do a new build, he should definitely look into using reclaimed materials. I'm sure he's aware already, but thought I'd mention it. Well, I I don't know if that part was supposed to be read out on the podcast, but too late. So, Jordan, are you aware that uh, you should definitely look into using reclaimed materials? Oh, F yeah. I am interested. Uh, Look, look, I I know about it, but also good on your family. Yeah. This is what I'm talking about here. The people that listen to this cut above the rest, especially that guy that owned that Geo Defense Jeep in Queensland. That's pretty gangster. (laughs) (laughs) But hats off to your family too. Recycled materials. What if that's (laughs) how the military industrial complex trying to advertise to Gen Z? It's like uh, our new uh, uh, weapon of mass destruction is made entirely out of recycled plastic. Oh my god! (laughs) Kill Muslims without killing the planet. (laughs) Kill Muslims with a clean conscience. Oh, yes. I hope that happens. <laughs> Get it into it's those not too far off. share indexes. It was like when the CIA came out and they were just like, I work for the CIA and I'm a transsexual. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> ad was so... Oh, I love the comparisons on TikTok where it showed like the uh, Russian and the Chinese army advertisement, which were just these just machines going, jumping out of planes, running through obstacle courses shooting things and then the, this, the american military or cia ad was like this cartoon of like i knew i was different from when i was young i didn't fit in and it's all about just you know and look gay people should be able to join the military of course but like it was so yeah but can't you show gay people shooting things exactly yeah look why do you have to mention they're gay all her compassion is not like what like you too can kill Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> you too can s- spy on your own peers. Yeah, that's <laughs> so weird, isn't it? Equal opportunity profit wars. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thank you for that <laughs> shout out there. We've got another one here. And um <clears throat> Hey, I'd really like the podcast of comedians. Oh, yeah. So this is the one where you were talking about trying to get an older comedian on someday. So 
Uh, I really like the podcast of comedians. Michael, that's a common name. No one's going to get exposed. Uh, I love hearing about the behind the scenes and the craft of comedy. Please, please, please do this. I'm at uni right now. And one of my lecturers made the movie Takeaway and produced Full Frontal. Ooh. And no. I could listen to his stories for days. Please make this a thing. Well, ask your lecturer if he wants to go on because Full Frontal is a seminal piece of Australian work. Yeah, um, Australian comedy peaked. There was that 90s golden era. Look, actually, no, to their credit, the 70s and 80s had their hits, but it's just the 90s is more familiar to our context because we vaguely remember it. Mm. But Full Frontal, go back and watch that because it's better than Skid House. Um, Skid House was good. Yeah, but it was just... It was clearly a pale imitation of Full Frontal. Full Frontal really mastered that form. I would love to know what that guy thinks about comedy. So, look, hey, do us a favor. Contact Neil and see if that guy wants to come onto the podcast and basically school us because that's what we really need. Because you know what I noticed when I was filming with Paulie today? Um, What I was talking about before with that missing infrastructure that our generation has to deal with, with just constant government cutbacks of all the programs. It's not just in the arts, it's in sciences, everything else. And that constant shrinking of institutional memory that has completely died out from us. I think that we can rebuild that. We can talk to the producers of Full Frontal and soak up their knowledge. I think that that's beneficial to everyone. We can at least create some form of digital library of this is how it's done. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Rekindle the uh, appreciation for the forebears, for the masters of the craft that came before us because not a lot of knowledge. You know the crazy thing? We are now (laughs) the veterans of internet comedy because we're always looking at the people who were on TV or whatever in the 2000s and 90s. But uh, I did this TikTok event. <laughs> of course I did. Did you? A couple of months ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I mean, it was, it was actually quite humbling. Everyone there who was doing very well was sort of, you could tell they were, oh my God, Neil's here. Like I, I've watched you from the when I was a kid. The wise sage. I've watched you when I was in high school. I love your stuff. And it was uh, very moving, actually. It was nice. It was good. It was for once. I wasn't just the internet guy. I was the original. Well, I was forefather. Yeah, it was. It was really. Uh, it's quite nice. So if you were at that I event, I didn't even think about that. But I'll tell you what. Uh, that's what I learned at the comedy club, which was they were saying it. They were saying that you know, ask Lewis Spears, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. All those guys that we looked up to on the posters that are in there. Uh-huh. We're them now. Yeah, so we don't need to have the inferiority complex anymore. It's fun to bitch. Oh, love it. But, but look, that's the whole thing. I'm not bitching about most of the guys that are up there. I have no ill feeling towards them. When you're talking about mainstream comedians, I think you're talking about a specific subset of ABC mainstream comedians that are actually of our generation. Most of the ones that were older up, it's just, it didn't exist. Sorry, that's what I was talking about when it came back to filming Houses with Paulie. When I was filming it, I was just thinking, fuck, this is YouTube for boomers. 
pretty that much the same yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Paul that one in particular. particular. He does character comedy. He does Australian character comedy. Unlike anyone else, he appeals to a demographic that doesn't get comedy otherwise. And uh, they deserve comedy. And it's not, a, you know, it's often looked down upon by uh, other people in the scene as being lowbrow and crass. But uh, what he's done is is brilliant. It's uh, it's resonated with a with a subset of society that just does not have any other, virtually no other art. I'm telling you, man, he knows it, and you see it when we were down there because we were in Smithfield. No one fucking recognised me. Everyone was stopping and beeping, just being like, "Oh my god, it's fucking poorly. I need a photograph." And it was just a subset exactly that it was that subset of the downtrodden it was a bunch of single mums uh you know uh uh people that didn't have legs you know it was it was everyone at the bottom and they were looking up to Paulie because again he was making something that reflected their life experience and 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 it was also just really kind and nice to them and it was that same thing that we're always talking about of like all these fuckwits in the Guardian and the Sydney Morning Herald looking down on Housos, you know, like how dare they? Textbook example of, uh, we call it champagne altruism or champagne socialism where you don't actually care about the poor, you just hate the the people who are richer than you. And I'm sure if they're (laughs) high up in the Guardian, they're already rich. So uh, yeah, shout out, shout out to Paulie, man. He's a, he's a, I haven't met him couple of times. Nice guy. Love his stuff. All yeah, right. He really is, yeah. Uh, and uh, yeah, Michael, I'll, I'll be in touch. Or if I forget, email me. Because yeah, we'd love to talk to him. All right, let's get into the question we got here. Ooh, very short. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> hey. My whole life, I've taught money isn't everything. But in this day and age, it is. Why is that? Is there a way to fix it? And if not, how can we fix it? Because it sucks. Shout out to the stoners listening to this. Did you do that while you were stoned? Mad question. I mean, I'm going to assume, yeah, but that's a good question. That's a great I'm, question. I'm going to assume as well, but can you just let us know in the comments? Just look. There's a lot riding on this on how you answer that. But anyway, go on. It's not a common name. So I'm not going to reveal his name. Okay. Case. What if? But classic stoner, right? Yeah, his name's Ocean or something. <laughs> it's it's kind of it's a it's not a common name at all. <laughs> or it could be short for something common. Anyway, let's not uh, bore people. Yeah, rock on, power to the people. Um, is money everything? Because now, because then you're going to talk about Tony Robbins, who talks a lot about success. So this is a great segue to answer this question and then lead into. Uh, Jordan actually went to the date with Destiny with Tony Robbins. His dream came true. Uh, do you think in this... Okay, so in this day and age, money is, is everything. No, it, no. It's more important now than it was, say, in just the last generation in Australia. True dat. You know what, though? I just learned this recently. You know what beats capital? Social capital. I was... You know what billionaires are obsessed with? Social capital. That's so interesting. I actually wanted to do a podcast on this eventually. Uh, it's the new wealth. It is the new wealth. So it's just so futile how people build. I'm not saying people who build wealth are dumb, but hearing stories about 
again, people who've sold resold something from Alibaba onto Amazon and made millions or just basically bet on the stock market. Again, there's some very intelligent people who do that. But uh, yeah, social capital is is very valuable. Next level. Yeah. Yeah. So next level. Money can't necessarily buy that. It can help. You know what it reminds me? It reminds me of that guy who tried to run against um Biden in the primaries, Bloomberg, and he did these and he thought he could just basically advertise his way into the to under onto the ticket. And it was just the most horrendous advertising campaign. Um, but he got to some, he almost got to Trump because he started calling Trump fat. And that's how you get to Trump. <laughs> Not constantly talking about how he lacks presidential appeal. You call the cunt fat. Yes. And you say he's not he as rich it. as he is. And that's exactly how I get to him. But um, he had a lot of money. He's a, multi, he's a billionaire, but no one liked him. So in this day and age, money is very, very important. But I think influence, and uh, I agree with Jordan, social capital is uh, maybe more important. It's Maybe. because you can inspire people to do things that money can't. And that's what people, that's, that's what these billionaires are starting to figure out. And so they're trying to, that's why all of them are trying to now create those sort of Elon Musk super, he's the pinup billionaire, not only just in terms of his wealth. They don't obviously give a fuck about that. It's the fact that he can say Dogecoin is the new Bitcoin and it becomes the new Bitcoin. That's what they want. That is power. That is power. You can generate trillions with a tweet. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck me. All right. How do you... Okay. Is there a way to fix it? Let's... uh, Okay. Let's ask the question. If if money is very important, is there a way to fix that? Well, money is just a sort of... It's what we use to represent value. So, you know, value will always be represented somehow in society. So I can't, I don't know if there's a way to, again, like like we were talking about last podcast, this is very intrinsically human for us to be hierarchical and value things. But it goes further than that. This is something that I never really understood about money. And actually, this is, I was talking to a guy that's actually, as always, everyone's really into Bitcoin, but this was a guy who was autistically smart and into Bitcoin, but he was kind of talking to me about the underpinnings of money and it starts getting really abstract and weird very quickly. And I obviously tuned out cause I'm too stupid to understand it. But um, one thing that really sprung to mind very quickly in on it, which is that can you imagine a world without money? Obviously that's what they're trying to do with Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah I get all that point, but let's just go back to what there was before that, which was bartering. Mm. What money does is it, did something which was revolutionary, which was it was able to store value through time. So before that, you would have to say, I'll give you 30 eggs and you give me a bag of wool, right? But the eggs go off. So then the wool is more valuable and then the eggs are worth fucking nothing if you don't do it. Or or like then you would have to start doing things like, okay, uh, over the next few months, I'm going to give you five eggs every month yeah Mm. but then you'd have to make sure that that person was true to their word there's all of this intrinsic trust which is fine when you're in a tiny little community but what about when you're in an empire how do you get that across there the way that you did that was by saying this little token represents trust 
It's like it sort of removes trust. It's a religion of sorts because everyone has to believe in that and has to believe that that does represent what people are saying it represents. This much money, yeah. And it is a religion of sorts and that's when you start getting into the underpinnings of it and then, you know, it starts getting really weird from there. But the thing is that really it's one of these things like the banking system. And yeah, people are saying that Bitcoin can do it. Maybe they can, maybe they can't. I'm not even going to pretend that I even understand that. But I do understand that the banking system, although it's just horrendous, if you didn't have some kind of system where you could say, you know, there's this much money uh, that's stored here, we can give out this much money and you can build things with money that you didn't have before that if you slowly pay back over time, like... Like it's it's just like what Keating did with the banking system, where he opened it up to more banks in this country, and then there was more banks in this country, and then the amount of businesses that opened up in this country exploded mm. because there was just more capital available. Like it's 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 too simple to say that it's evil. It's let's just put it this way: it's a necessary evil. All right, so there's not really a way to... Well, Bitcoin is claiming to fix it. But then what would really... It's not as though the value itself... I wonder what he means by... Because uh, he's saying it sucks. So I don't know if he means it sucks because he's you always have to chase money and you maybe have to do things you don't want to do um, to obtain money in order to live. But as you say, money is a store is a sort of symbolic s- storing of value, and so what what you maybe want to do isn't valued in the society we have developed. Therefore, even if it was a Bitcoin society, I mean, you'd still have to be doing whatever it is that you didn't want to do, and I'm sure there'd still be a lot of inequality. I don't think I don't think I think Bitcoin takes away the. Look again. I have no. I have no idea what I'm talking about. But it sort of takes away that central authority, which is the main selling point of it. There isn't a bank or there isn't a government that can sort of control and manipulate currencies and things. And it's just all, it's all digital, but it's all sort of shared. And look, I, again, don't really know what I'm talking about here, but there will still be people who have much more value than other people. And there'd still be a lot of inequality. And I don't think any of that's going to change. No, but I don't think that it's really... I don't ever really think that the aim should be. I don't think it should be to iron out inequalities. It should be more. The aim should be efficiency, and 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 fairness in those inequalities in those in the inequality. So if someone, I think they've done studies where they they show people are willing to. Uh, they don't mind inequality if they can see that someone has worked harder or is clearly more talented. But the, the nothing pisses off humans more than when someone inherited has yeah or has unfairly obtained value more than someone else who feels like they've worked just as hard or even harder. Mm. And that's where you really get to our base instincts as well. I mean, apes. Sorry, chimpanzees are extraordinarily jealous. You can listen to any Joe Rogan podcast and be some po- story of a chimp getting jealous and brutally murdering another chimp. 
because another chimp got a cake or something like that, so, which they felt was unfair. <laughs> and we're not that far removed from them, evolutionarily speaking. So, um, man, mm. it's really interesting how chimps. There's a book on this. I still haven't read it, but it's really interesting that chimpanzees are an endless source of humor for human beings. I still haven't figured out why that is. Yeah, they're, they're, they're brutal. They're savage. If you, if you came face-to-face with one, it would kill you. But don't you think Rip that if you palm, heard... Three times as strong as the average man. That if somebody killed someone else over a cake... Nah, it's still funny. Yeah, okay, You would whatever. laugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you'd still laugh. Yeah. I mean, you'd be shocked. You'd want to learn more, but it's, it's funny. You want to laugh? Of course. You ready to get cancelled? All right. Go. Here we go. <laughs> I saw a story from this guy on YouTube, Tommy Sotomayor. The best way to describe him is... I know a, him. Yeah. You know him? Well, he's a, he's the sort of culturally conservative black guy, right? The culturally conservative black guy, and he really hates black women because he got burned oh. by one in like okay. a paternity suit all right? of them dude all the like mra dating coaches that are the most entertaining on youtube are black dudes yeah well they're just the most entertaining yeah and then they maybe there's something is well i don't know in the black community there's obviously a lot more uh money is at a higher and wealth is probably at a higher premium because there's such a lack of that within their community. So I'd imagine the women do chase richer people a bit more. So there's a lot more of that uh, prevalence of those red pill ideas. That's my guess. But anyway, go on. Okay. <laughs> there was this news story in Alabama. It's fucked. It's fucked. But... A black man murdered another black man over a piece of chicken in a cookout that he took off the barbecue. And it cut back to Tommy Sotomayor and he was just saying, you're going to tell me that this is a result of inherent racial institutionalized racism. Come on, man. We doing this to ourselves. Okay, that. <laughs> oh my god. Oh fuck! <laughs> All right, it's, it's it's funny. You can't deny that's, that's, that's very, I was just gonna say honestly. Funny. Look, holy shit! You want an entertaining YouTube channel? You <laughs> got it, Tommy Sotomayor. He's the funniest YouTube commenter of all time. Oh my god! It's all he does. He just trolls through Southern news bulletins on just uh, the six o'clock news <laughs> <laughs> and it's always hilarious every oh, fucking time well, did they know each other before or was yeah it, okay yeah and he, and he of killed course him they did yeah. he took a piece of chicken 
And also, okay, just decent t-shirt as well. He was just saying, uh, 24-year-old male D-Quown. (laughs) D-Quown? Come on, man. That guy should have been locked up at birth. (laughs) (laughs) He sounds very funny. He's a I only fucking know, hilarious okay. man. I only know him because he did an interview on Dave Rubin, and then when he found out Dave Rubin was gay. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, oh, hell no. I touched his hand. <laughs> <laughs> okay. you, have uh, to, you have to check this man out. He's oh, just yeah, very problematic, but uh, we're just relaying what he said. I mean, you can't not say that he's not problematic. He, that's his whole shtick. He basically, I, th- I don't know what he's doing. I, th- I don't know if he genuinely believes it or if he's just going, because there's endless talk shows on America where he just goes on and they're just being like, you said every black woman that got weave is a beastie. Yeah, I said it. And then all those <laughs> women in the audience be like, ah! You know? <laughs> 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 okay. Ultimate entertainment machine. Let's just put it this way: Black <laughs> Alex Jones. Sick. Fuck. All right. And how did we get onto that? Uh, talking about money again. Holy fuck! Where the fuck did that come from? <laughs> no. Start talking about that. I don't know. What the fuck? Oh. No, I actually, I actually lost how we got to that point. But go on about Tony Robbins. What were you going to say about? Because Jordan went to the uh, date with Destiny. That is the uh, how many people were there? Thousands. Five thousand. What is the demographic? Is it generally older people in the corporate world? I would. That's my guess because he was big in the nineties. So I'm guessing there'd have been people who would have been maybe our age in the nineties that first read one of his books and have just gone back every couple of years when he comes to australia my guess would be demographic would be um sort of middle upper middle class corporates in their 50s am i right bingo okay but let me go into the demographics a little more two very distinct people i think that the well look it's it's a it's a wash obviously because he's extremely mainstream but yes there's a primary demographic there uh, the first one would be housewives really? that their rich doctor husband would just be like, hey, yeah, yeah, here, go, go to David Destiny, here you go. And they just chucked it at them. The classic ones were always joking about, of, I want to start selling things on Amazon to Amazon, <laughs> right? They, they'd be them. <laughs> and then the other half are cunts like me. I swear to God they are. It's just everyone who had no role models in life and okay. just completely directionless that see him as a father figure and start crying when they see him on stage, which was me. Like, I, I was one of those Damn. women at the Beatles concert being like, ah! uh, Yeah, that's me with Jordan Peterson. So and I was, you met your hero. Dude, have I told you? when he, Like, I went to the Canberra show, and then afterwards he's like, because um, Dave Rubin was opening, and I, I was keep going, like, keep I know going. Dave. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, I was getting a drink with Dave afterwards. And then Jordan came after having done his like three hour meet and greet. Oh my God. The meet and greet for that man would be 
Because you so think your the people came to your show with neck beards. Jesus, Jesus next level. Um, and then he's like, um, there are like ooh. in karate belts of neck beards. Yeah, <laughs> the, the thickness of the neck beard. The <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know and how, how closed like... over their eyes are from fatness. <laughs> you know, they do like geological, like they can figure out how old the rocks are, like, <laughs> how thick the rock, the sediment is. They can like yes. determine how virginal and like <laughs> how beta the man is based on the thickness. Yeah, of the neck. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. I'm there at this bar in Canberra and, and John Peterson comes up and uh, unbeknownst to me, he had seen Modern Education. And he's like, oh, of course well, he would have, yeah, for sure. Yeah, true. Yeah, now that I think about it, yeah, like it was it was so viral and he would have been the audience that would have loved it. Fuck but, yeah. uh, and he would have shared it for sure. Oh, he, and he loved it. He said, oh, you know, I saw that film. Brilliant. So good. Wow. Yeah, I know. Compliment praise from Caesar. Praise from uh, someone I admire very much for a piece of work I made that I uh, put a lot of effort into. That That is just, that is so, uh, words cannot describe. And then he was asking like, Dude, did you get much blowback from it? Was there a lot of negative? From um, the cultural Marxists. Yeah. And, and. Well, that's yeah, exactly how I would imagine but, that that interaction would have gone. A, would have loved modern education. I mean, that was, I don't even know if you knew who he was when you made that, but that film was designed for Jordan Peterson. It was just like, who is the target demographic of that? And then it should have just been that man's face. (laughs) Yeah, I wouldn't, no, I didn't know him until about a year later. Um, So I didn't know any of those guys pretty much till I made that. But um, you met your hero. I didn't meet my hero. I did not meet my does hero. Does he sell meet and greet tickets? They would be exorbitantly expensive. How does it? It's like five grand. The man sells. So there were 5,000 people all paying five grand, at least. At least. <sighs> and that's one Whoop. of his programs. And the other thing is, this is amazing as well. He is so successful as a businessman. He has 72 businesses at this point that him Jeez. doing that, those seminars, he's losing money. It's like that thing of Bill Gates, if he dropped $1,000 on the ground, it would be more expensive for him to pick it up than to just keep walking <laughs> Because he's making that much money per second, so you can... Yes. So he, if he dropped thousands of dollars on the ground, it would make more sense for him to keep walking. Well, this definitely is a contradiction to the question that we've been asked. So how are you going to uh, untangle this uh, quandary here? Because... Uh, our question asker has said that money is not everything. and um, No, I used to think the same way as him, and I understand that it's a necessary evil thing, but I do also have that extremely uh, <laughs> uh, washed-over American philosophical self-help point that money's just an energy, man. But it's true. If you use a million dollars to plant a million trees, where's the fucking evil? Depends how you... Obtain that million dollars, but uh, the end result is definitely not evil. Unless you're knocking down people's houses to plant the tree. <laughs> I mean, even then you make the argument that... Uh, probably better off. Probably still better off, but... All right, if you're, if you, if you're burning down orphanages to plant the trees, then... Do, how many orphanages are still around? You know how... In, I like, bet you there's zero. All the, like, like Charles Dickens novels, there's always an orphanage. Yeah. How many... Or- are there still, like nunneries and orphanage where the nun just 
smacks everyone. Do they still exist? <laughs> Any orphans listening to this? Did you just grow up in foster care or uh, was there an orphanage? Because I would, I would, if I was a kid that lost their parents, I would rather be in an orphanage with other people that, you know, my age. But because foster homes sound horrendous. They I haven't sound heard fucked, a single good story. Okay, Eliza, from her like years of working in this industry, has like a handful of positive foster stories. <laughs> foster parents are fucked, man, because they get paid so much. So all these dumb cunts do it and basically abuse the kids. Or they just do what they have to do to keep the authorities at bay. And the kid just... The kid is already a mess. So it's, it is it is a difficult wow, task. Wow, what a win-win. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, so that's an example of a bad... Yeah, bad incentives all around. Um, yeah, that does sound terrible. Bring I'd back orphanages. Though, weren't orphanages essentially just dressed up child slave factories? Maybe, but you wouldn't have known any anything different. You've yeah. just been around with you. You've been asleep over every night, <laughs> <laughs> hoping. There's always like the, the kids that were hoping to get adopted. You know, the parents come by, you don't get adopted. That's brutal, Would wanna, isn't it? Wouldn't it's you want to stay? Basically, with the kids? a pound. Yeah, it's a pound for. It's a pound for kids. kids. Wow, that's a, yeah, that's kid a, pound. Look, I'm sure. Rough. I'm sure a lot of. Aussies, if you if you go back in their lineage, because there were you know convicts that settled here, I'm sure there were plenty. It probably just if you go back three or four greats in the grandparent lineage. So if you go to like say great 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 grandparents, definitely would have been grown up in orphanages. Surely, I, I don't know. If there's still orphanages today. There might be. I think no, no. I think now. There's like homes for, they call them, they're homes for troubled boys. It's not an orphanage. Right. Okay. All right. Well, that's just, that answers everything, exactly. doesn't it? They just don't have that really scary name anymore. Yeah. They exist. I and think. No, I think they do. I think you're right. I think they also just chuck in troubled Tongans that beat too many other kids up in whiskey schools and shit, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know about the race, but sure. <laughs> Maybe. I think it's also for cons. I'm not sure. <laughs> Just cons and orphans chucked in the same home. <laughs> Fuck! Jesus. What a brutal place. Yeah. God. But sorry, I keep uh, going on tangents. So, all right, you're at this date with Destiny. What did you learn? Have you gone to any other ones? Because he's come to he comes to Sydney pretty often. I went to Business Mastery as well. Okay, so so was it worth the five grand? That's a lot of money. I would pay double. I would pay double. But this is the thing. You know why? This is the genius of this man's business model. Yeah. You open up his book for twenty dollars. Yeah. Or you go to the library and you get it for free, like I did. Mm-hmm. You follow what he says. He will make you successful for free. You follow what that man says. He will make you successful beyond your dreams. Isn't this incredible? And then there's just this moment where you're like, have you ticked off all the goals you set for yourself? Good, I'm proud of you. But there's still a little bit that's empty inside, isn't it? Tony can show you the way to fill that for $10,000. <laughs> oh, 
Isn't that amazing? So he makes you successful so he can harvest you for more money than you could ever be squeezed out of than if you were poor. What a king. What a king amongst men. I'm telling you, there is no one on earth that is more impressive than that man. And he's just the greatest orator of all time. He can make you cry in one sentence, laugh in the next, angry in the next. He goes through the whole emotional roller coaster like no one else on planet Earth. Tu and I, every day, were crying probably six times on average. Just from these bittersweet stories that he just busts out or elicits out of someone he's interviewing. And just gets Whoa. them to admit to something that's so dark. So hang on, this is one of those one week courses. So you're there, oh. okay, and you stay. Oh, is that, okay, so that's worth five thousand dollars. You stay at a resort or something. Oh no, well look, I did the Zoom version because that exists now. So we went oh. up to Richmond and we stayed there in this farm stay. And we did it there as a couple, and I've got to say it's the most bonding experience we've ever had. <laughs> and it's such a such a Damn, like Tony's your third. 30 year old thing isn't it we should have just been in yeah. turtlenecks but we were in the lodge in the woods which is the other part of wow it, it is yeah it's such a it that, that just epitomizes the 30s doesn't or it? the midlife crisis in the late 50s which was the groups that were there and uh this is great it's look that man has truly, well and truly gamed self-help. And this is the whole thing. Is like It was honestly the deepest experience of my life. And the way that I will describe it to everybody there is, and this is incredible, who needs mushrooms? You have mushrooms. Mushrooms will shift your perception momentarily. And they'll kind of make you aware of it. And I know I'm going to have all these mushy heads arguing about it, but you're cheapskates. You're paying 20 bucks for your high. Go spend $5,000 and tell me that Tony Robbins isn't better than shrooms. What is happening there is you're changing your perception. That's all well and good. Hmm. Tony Robbins is changing your perception and telling you how to reprogram your perception to be whatever you want it to be. Mushrooms aren't doing that. And... I've got to say, man, I can't describe it. I'm, I'm trying to describe it as well as I can because I hate it when people say, oh, there's just no words for it. There is no words for it, but something internally shifts in you. And it's one of these things where you realize, okay, that is not some little pump up thing that I'll forget about mm. in two weeks. That is something that has internally changed within me <clears throat> two is exactly the same and I will Jesus. guarantee you that I will be saying this a year from now. You know how if we changed brains, mm. we'd go insane because the experiences that we've had would have been so vastly different that if we were in that person's mindset for a second, we'd just be like, this isn't reality at all. It's just way too different. Probably, yeah. Because just anyone, anyone that you change brains with, even if it was your sister or your mum, there's too many things in there that are just not the way that you perceive reality. And so you just be, you may as well change it with a snake. It'd just be so radically different because right. of the things they chose to focus on in their life and their inner demons and all of that. So wait, you maintain your consciousness but have my brain, is that... If we just I guess like you're kind brains, of just seeing then... through their brain. Yeah, yeah, Let's okay. put it that way. Okay. Yeah, so maintaining your consciousness, yeah. Um, 
what this does is change the way that you are interpreting reality. That's what Date With Destiny does. And that is so much more powerful in goal setting. He's absolutely right about it. Because what you realize is the way that you are interpreting reality, of course you are going to have the future that you are going to have. Of course you're going to have the future that you're going to have. Because the values that you have internally programmed into you that were almost certainly subconscious, mm-hmm. the, the, the primary subconscious need that you are trying to fill is going to make your life go in a certain way. And when you look at it that way, you realize, okay, I might've been setting goals for myself. That's all well and good. But what was the thing that was pushing me to make the goal in the first place? It was really just me being more conscious of my subconscious desires, but my subconscious desires were driving me towards that destiny. That's why it is date with destiny. Yeah. Okay. You know, so it is so much deeper than I am a self-help aficionado, right? Like I have read a lot of self-help in my life. And I will say that all of it was band-aids in comparison to this band-aids that surgery. So self-help is just working on a much shallower level. It's, it's not that it's not wrong to the, to the conscious goals you may have. Whereas this sounds like it's actually dealing with internal Driving forces. For, yeah, forces that uh, you may not be consciously aware of, but are directly affecting your conscious mind, which is setting the goal. So by affecting your subconscious and your unconscious, it then changes what goals you'd actually be consciously aiming for. Is that what? Is that a good way to describe it? You've actually described it way better than I could. That's what happens. And Beautiful. That just sounds great. Oh, it's, it's just like... Well, it's similar to what we were talking about last podcast where a lot of people who are, la- are latching onto ideologies that give them a sense of purpose and meaning and invariably goals. But uh, what is occurring with within their... Uh, out of the grasp of their conscious mind that is driving them toward those particular goals. And I wonder if they did some inner work, whether they'd have that same attachment to said ideology and, and goals. Do you think this has changed your... Without question. Yeah? How Without is it, question. What, how is it cha- what are the tangible changes that have happened in the short to term? To answer that, I'll have to explain one major breakthrough that happened in it and i don't want to go too much into it because i honestly do owe this man so much and the things that he is keeping private he doesn't even really keep them private you can get these this is what i'm saying about the the self-help stuff that i've read over the years it's definitely true but reading it is very different to somebody who is that experienced and convicted forcing you to do these exercises on a deep level as opposed to just being like "Yeah, yeah just write them down it's not the same as being immersed in that environment for six days straight while he's putting you consciously in a peak state and and really just breaking you down. Like you're going through like a sort of religious ritual, you know? It definitely sounds like, yeah. It's, it's very culty, but cults work for a reason. And I yeah. can guarantee that this man is not doing it 
for self-worship. There is no way that that is the outcome of that man. There is no way that the leaders of the world go to this man for guidance. He's not like one of those other people that just like maybe a few figures here and there might be just like, yeah, 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 I like uh, the guy from Scientology. This is, you know, everyone from across the planet, popes, presidents, they're all just, Tony, what do I do in their moments of crisis, you know? Um, Anyway. The one big one, and I would imagine that you would have a very similar driving question seeing as that your life, it's going to be different, but it'll be probably in the same ballpark, I would imagine. Maybe not. Who knows? But anyway, one of the main things that he gets you to do is to figure out what your primary question is. That's really what's driving everything that you do in life because there is a need that you have figured, for whatever reason, your interpretation of reality has convinced you that you need filled, right? And so because of my childhood, only child, poor family, insane parent, that was my upbringing. So social skills, pretty much out the door. Uh, love and connection to family, gone, nothing of that. Um what I did have was a theatrical talent that I could very quickly assert no one else had. What I then linked up as a kid was, okay, I'm not going to be getting connection from my mum, but I will be getting connection from the stage. Uh-huh. So all of my approval... Because I always thought, because I'd done this before, I'd always just be like, yeah, I know what my primary question is. How do I make this funny? Why am I trying to make it funny? I'm trying to make it funny because I'm getting approval from the crowd. And that's the only place that I get approval. Zero interest as an only child. You learn to entertain yourself. And also on top of that, you get better communication skills than the average kid. Um, But you're kind of disinterested. It's It's a payoff. It's just like kids with siblings get better social skills. Kids that were only children generally get better communication skills. But, um... I figured that out uh, that like, and I always said this, it was never this thing of, I was scared. I was never terrible at socializing. I just wasn't, you know, a level at it. And I was a level at the stage thing, Mm -hmm. but um, I was never interested in it. I was always, if you go back and watch any of my self-help videos, I'm constantly saying, don't go to parties. Parties are a waste of time. That is my view of the world. There's a lot of other things that were playing into the fact that I stay in this kind of inbuilt prison that I've created for myself. I even dress like a prisoner. I I stay there and I'm kind of happy in that cell. And there was other things to my childhood that I think were definitely seminal to that. But I now realize the main, main reason for that is, is because I was always looking for that little clap at the end of a performance. Now, what happened is that, so if, if that is the only way that I feel love and connection, of course I'm going to be a sellout national comedian. Of course that's like, that is going to be my destiny because there's no other way that I'm ever going to feel that need. Now, I'm extremely proud of that because that obviously pushed me to a level that most people don't go to. But see, because this is the whole thing that also works into this, right? Dissatisfaction leads to success. Definitely does. The, the less satisfied you are in life, the more you're going to push yourself. Oh, yeah. 
if I'm not satisfied in any moment of my life ever, unless I'm getting a round of applause uh, at the end of a flawless performance, I'm going to push myself very far. The opposite of that is I'm not going to be happy at any moment of my life ever. I'm just going to be sitting there just being like, this moment sucks, this moment sucks, this moment sucks. 10 years of my life, what I was always complaining about on the self-help channel as well, I was always complaining that the last 10 years of my life, I sacrificed to getting into the position that I was where I am now. And I have very few experiences in it because I was just spending my entire time obsessively typing to get to that stage. That was because that is the only way that I would ever feel any feeling of connection, I suppose, with anything but it had to be a good one because if it was a it was a bad show and by bad i mean just like not knock out of the park i'd immediately walk off you could ask anybody that comes on my tours with me i'll walk off there'll be other people sitting there like what was happening at the comedy lounge every one of those nights they were coming up and they'll be like man you killed it like that was just knocking out of the park it was just rock star performance right and then I'd just be walking out and I'd just be sitting there being like, well, that joke didn't work there and that joke didn't work there. So I wouldn't even feel it for that. It'd have to be an amazing show for it to be like that. Feeling no other happiness in it. What happens as a result of that is I've missed out on a bunch of life experiences that a lot of other people would have because I was just so hyper-focused on getting that one outcome. Uh, very rarely do I ever feel any content or peace or any of those feelings that you would have, that most people have kind of just watching TV. I just do not have those feelings unless I get that clap. So like everything was just geared towards that. that There's work, positives and negatives to it. Does that work with videos as well? Or are you just talking about live? No, the videos, I've got zero attachment to any of those. Wow. Any of those videos. There's okay. nothing... Actually, sometimes, sometimes, but this is linked to that, there is videos that I'll look back at and I'll think, that comedically was fucking brilliant. Mm. And there's a, but I think that that's linked to the fact that I were, I realized like a, another layer of comedy that I could then use on stage. That's what that was linked to. So again, it was linked to stage. But there's few moments in life that I ever feel any level of satisfaction. And that has completely dictated my entire life. And like I was saying before, of course I'm going to be a national comedian if that's the case. So yeah, uh, what happened in Date with Destiny was you realized that and then you went, well, you could probably have both. You can probably feel content in any moment. And then I just realized, well, why can't I feel peace looking at that inanimate couch there? Why can't I feel gratitude every time I ever look at a plant? Why can't I trigger those things in there? And that's what happened. And all of a sudden, I feel content. And when I'm writing my shows, I start thinking, why don't I feel passion while writing the shows as opposed to feeling discontent of it's not good enough it's not good enough what if i just thought like what if i just give my all while i'm doing it and while that happens there's no this sucks this sucks oh the internet nothing like that happens anymore now when i'm writing it's 
the internet can be on mm. and I don't care. I'm sucked into that. And if I do go onto the internet for a second, I'm just like, this is terrible. And then I just go back to it. I don't go down that rabbit hole anymore. My perception of life has changed. The way that I look at the world has fundamentally shifted. How does something like that happen so quickly? Because it sounds like that pattern evolved through years of experience of, like you said, having a, a crazy mother and being the only child. How do you, how does it within just a week, you, how do you unlearn something like that that quickly? Because this man essentially is an IT professional for the human soul. That's what he's figured out. He's just like, it's, it. it's just, there are certain things that get certain responses in the human mind and that technology exists. It's just, and you probably be able to get the same in all other things. I think he's just taken it to another level and he's just been so hyper-focused on getting that result through his life mm. that he's able to do it in a really short amount of time, which is, and this is, exactly the way that cults happen, right? Like cults can reprogram a human being so they're just completely unrecognizable. It just depends what the cult leader... Again, it's just like these are tools just like money is. So in religion, you can get the same thing. You get those... People are always talking about that, that religious moment. Exactly what happened with Spanion when he was talking about it. I'm obsessed with these moments, these breakthrough moments where he's sitting there and all of a sudden he realizes, no, I'm not taking drugs anymore. And drug addict his entire life heroin addict right shifts doesn't even do cigarettes doesn't even do alcohol all gone here you go all the other prisoners get it those moments happen mm. those moments happen where you completely change and if that is possible that you can change really addictive destructive behaviors that you've had for decades that are the result of deep inbuilt childhood wounds that are pushing you towards those actions but all of a sudden you can shift that in a second that man has just figured out how to do that to a stage full of people. And I'll tell you that there's a few things that go into that, which is um, storytelling really works. And that man can tell a story like no one else on earth um, because that is, as he's saying, and all, all the books that I've been reading about it as well, stories speak to the subconscious mind. You accept stories. When someone presents an argument to you, you're immediately on the defensive. When someone says, you can say exactly the same thing, but you'll be like, once there was this wise man that lived in a tower, you know, like your brain just starts going along with it. Mm. Um, uh, another thing is the fact that he's constantly putting you in a peak state. Like it's just endless listening to EDM music and jumping up and down, right? Uh, he, he's putting in rituals there. He's actually pinpointing and explaining to you, this is the button that you need to push to erase that and then put this. Essentially, what he is doing is giving you the tools to reprogram your own brain. That's really what's happening there. So that's why you can do it in six days. Now, could you do it by yourself to the same level as that man without that man's guidance? Absolutely not. But the tools are there. They do exist. Wow. This is a very formative experience in your life. That's incredible. It is a seminal experience. It really was. Um, all I can say is... It sounds like it's very good, very positive uh, consequences that have come out of it. To no other level. If I can just sum it up to anybody that's listening. 
Anyone that says that Tony Robbins is a snake oil salesman, don't want to hear it. Good luck to you in your life if you think that. You really are doing no favor to anyone except, like, you're only just doing a disservice to yourself. That's it. That's all that's happening there with that belief. To anybody else in the world that wants their circumstances to improve in life, you read that man's book. That man's book changed my life. Awaken the Giant or the other one? I think Unlimited Power is better. I think his 30-day program is the best thing. Uh, uh, Personal Power. I think that's the best one. But look, honestly, when I think about it, it actually starts making me tear up what that man has done for me in my life. I would not be where I am today without that man. It was pure fluke that I came across his book, but it's just one, like, I think this is also another thing as well. It's just, it, it, especially because you could see it in a lot of other people in the audience, right? You could tell that they had a similar upbringing to me where they just had no influences in life at all. And their destiny was going down one path and they they wanted something more for themselves in life, but they didn't have the tools for it. And that man gives you the tools. So I, I, I just cannot recommend it enough. If you haven't read that book, please, for the love of God, read that book. Because this is the other thing that's amazing about that. Okay, the business seminar... There was a lot of cunts in there that were just, I don't know, some Iranian piece of shit being like, I move cement from uh, Estonia to Turkey. How much are you worth? $50 million. It's just, of course, the business seminar is going to attract those people. But the people in Date with Destiny, all hyper successful people, apart from the housewives, right? But maybe they will be as a result of this. Depends who they're married. Well, yeah, they are successful. They, they fucking, they were hot in their twenties. That was their uh, skill, and, um, and they were. It was just a sea of milfs. Okay, you know, more milfs there than there is on X videos, and. <laughs> okay. But you know, every person that got up there, it was always like, yeah, because of you. I'm worth $30 million and I've put X amount of street kids through, you know, like school, you know, like it was just an endless relay of people who became extremely successful as a result of Tony Robbins to the point that they were overly successful. And Tony Robbins, as he's always teaching, says just like at that point, when you're that successful, give back. And there was all these people coming up with all of these programs to do all of this incredible work across the planet. So anyone that says that that man is a snake oil salesman, the world would be a much, much worse place if it wasn't for that man. That's all I got to say. Well, that's a lot. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. Well said. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's very impactful. And that's... that's, that's if it's had that kind of a positive effect on you and it's 
improved your um, base level of stress and made you more content overall, it's worth every penny. Every penny. That's why I'm saying I'd give it to double to him. And this is the other way that you justify it in your mind because I'm telling you, if you start reading this man and start applying his principles, after a while you realize you really owe this man. I would not have the wealth and impact in my life without that man. So even if the seminar was 20 grand, I'd still owe him the money if it was just, we're going to sit down quietly for the next six days and watch Flubber. You know, like even if it was that, I would owe that man that 20,000. That's the way I see it anyway. But it wasn't that. The man keeps giving because it's just an instilled habit. It's a principle. The one other thing that I will say about this as well, that I just before I go, which I thought was just an incredible way of putting it. Anyone that hates themselves, anyone that hates other people, I think if you just understand this, it's not them it's their programming. Hmm. It's the way they've been conditioned to see the world that is just like you completely out of your fucking control. Hmm. Like it's just, it's the software they're running. It's not the hard drive. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So why let other people's programming affect your emotional state, right? Why let other people's programming affect your emotional state and also, if you're somebody that just has a lot of self-contempt or whatever, just know it's your programming. Very, 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 very rarely. Sociopaths, people with just like severe chemical problems, that's a hardware problem, Shit, right? It's very rare. Vast majority is software. Yeah. Yeah. And it takes a different narrative that you need to tell yourself to change that programming that's the only way i can relate to that i've yeah. never had an experience that uh, impactful in a short period of time but what you say i have no reason to doubt it sounds like it would be extraordinarily impactful especially the way that man can toy with people's emotions and bring about incredibly high emotional states yeah, you really see the the uh, the true person that man can bring out who you really are. No guard. There's no defense mechanism there. He has a, a talent that no one else in the world has. And I there's a Netflix. Uh, I don't know. If, I'm sure you've seen it. The documentary on Netflix where it sort of goes over some people who've gone through that date with destiny, but in America. Oh, I'm not your guru. Mm. Yeah, but he just has a knack of uh, really getting people to uh, breaking them down, but that's just almost self-imposed, and then building them back up or giving them the tools to build them back up again. It's incredible to see in real time. It really is. You will see, and this is the amazing thing because when he's doing it personally, one-on-one with you, the, the time that that happens in is just astronomically short there was this woman for instance there was a couple of women one of them was just so fucking evil i can't even begin but uh the other one was just this arabic princess right like just obviously grew up in some shake house and she was clearly just a mole right and uh 36 
laughing about how cute it is that she's broken all of these men's hearts and uh you know just like yeah i'm i'm a bitch and i own it just a direct quote of hers kind of thing and then tony robbins was just like you're 36 because he figured this out because he's just constantly pinging for what they actually care about in life and he was just like you're 36 uh no sorry figured out first like so you want a baby and she's just like oh yeah more than anything it's like you're 36 you've got four years max and you saw her just break down in a second and she was bawling and then he just stops it says like one little joke or something like that gets a little pattern interrupt there and then says go freeze your eggs and then she says it's legal in Singapore and he says, well, then travel to another country and do it so that you've got yourself your alleviation of that. And then she's just like, yeah, it seems like a lot of effort. And she's like, oh, okay, well, then just have a dry womb and never have kids, you know? And so then she, uh, and then and then just builds it up again and is just like, is there anyone that you uh, in the past thought was a good man? And she was like, I can think of one. And he said, I suggest that you make the call to that man. The end of it, she's redating that man, apologized profusely for how she toyed with him in the past and basically said, I'm a changed woman, went to, was on route to Spain, was going through the quarantine of two weeks or whatever so that she could freeze her eggs. She is a new woman, you know, like she would never have been taking those actions if she never went to Tony Robbins' state with Destiny and she was talking to him for like 20 minutes. What is it though that he's done to her? Because if if she knew that she wanted a baby so much, that seems like logical things to do. But this is the whole thing, right? Like you know this through psychology. So there's, there's, there's just this constant conflicting, sure. and like the value alignment in it is more just she likes the fact that she can, she has that power to make men fall in love with her. And then just break their hearts, essentially. Like, that's... She enjoys that more than she wants children. And essentially what Tony Robbins was doing was realigning that so she didn't have that fucked necessity up there and making that just non-existent and putting that up there in, like, 20 minutes. And reprogramming it. Because the thing is, like, as he's always saying, those six human needs, right? Certainty, significance, uh, uncertainty, growth, connection... Uh, and uh, uh, contribution. Really what he's doing there is trying to rewire everyone for their primary need to be contribution. And if your primary need is significance, you're usually a piece of shit. (laughs) Hmm. Having said that, we've all been there. And again, you can rewire these things. Mm. Wow. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Add to that. I think that was uh, well said clearly an extremely significant event in your life so thank you for sharing no worries but i think that this should be one of those things two things that i will say before we go just like i'm saying to you neil uh-huh. you really do need to read june because it is just it's something else okay and the other one is obviously go watch tony robbins but i think that a goal for everyone in their life should be to go to date with destiny if you can't afford to get the ticket now you should one day be putting that as something 
that you have on your to-do list because it is that. It's kind of for the next level. It's when you're successful enough to afford a $5,000 ticket and not really think about it. It's for those people. But you should get to that stage. Anyway. Wow. And you can uh, assure us it's not a pyramid scheme. You're not getting a cut. <laughs> you know what? I was thinking about it, and this is this is exactly it. Like, it just crossed my mind for a second because someone was saying it of, uh, you should just come up with a recommended page for Amazon so that you're profiting off it. And I, I just, I can't do it. Like, I honestly want yeah. to return the favor to that man that much. What's a, what is it? What do you mean? A, what is a, is a recommended page for Amazon? What does that mean? I don't know. It's just like you say, here's my recommended book list. And then you get like a really small amount of oh, money back. Okay. It'd be like Spotify level of money. No. What's the point? Just give it. Just tell people what to read. Not everything has to be have a profit. No, I definitely think so as well. And I think that the actual thing as well is that what you are getting in reciprocation from that is respect anyway. And that's way more as we're talking about social, right like yeah, social, social currency of it is, is so much more than just yeah. trying to scam a couple of pennies yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Ooh, and wow. tony robbins proves it more than anyone on earth like if you impact someone's life that much as i said before i would gladly throw twenty thousand dollars at a man that makes five billion dollars a year i would gladly throw it at him hmm. you know Anyway. Well said. Uh thank you again. And well, I <laughs> nothing really else to, to add to that. Thank you for listening, guys. And definitely read uh all the Tony Robbins books. I've only read Awaken the Giant. I'll definitely have to do the others. Yeah. Um We'll see you next time. Have a good new year. If if this is the last of the year. I don't even know. But uh thank you. See you, gang.